Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and a very warm welcome. This is the Motormouth Podcast with myself, Harry Benjamin, and Tim Sylvie, where in each show we sit down with a figure from the world of motorsports and dive into how exactly they ended up where they are now. F1 champions, team principals, Formula E and touring car stars. If there's anyone with a story to tell, they'll usually tell it right here. Motormouth is an app and website where you can catch up with all the latest F1 gossip at motormouth.club and view live timings across a race weekend with our app. We're also proud to be partnered with the Brain Tumor Charity, helping to raise awareness and help find a cure through events like our annual karting race, where you can go head-to-head against professional drivers, all to raise vital funds. For more info, check out motormouthkartrace.com. Hello, Tim Sylvie here. Now, today we have two lots of sad news listeners. First, that Seb is retiring from Formula One at the end of the year. But far more importantly, this is the last show that Harry will be alongside me for a few weeks. He's off for an intense period of commentary duties. So, Harry, I wanted to wish you well on your well-deserved adventures with Sky Sports, BBC F1 and all the rest of it. We look forward to you coming back. But how are you feeling about both bits of news? Oh, thank you very much. Well, I I will miss uh, being on the show for a little bit, but it won't be the last time, that's for sure. Um, And uh, yeah, I've got to run off to the comments box after this for practice one. So uh, I've got to get a hurry on. Um, And in terms of the Seb news, I mean, I was really sad by it. I thought thought the Instagram was really emotional. Um, And what a way to do it. Drops in Instagram for the first time ever. Two million followers later, retires. Uh, sad, but I think kind of like a happy sad. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, no, good for him. He's got a lot of things to look forward to, I'm sure. Um, now, we've already mentioned it on socials. And, and as I mentioned, Harry is, is leaving us for a few weeks, but we'll be back. But we've drafted in a super sub in the form of Tom McCluskey. Um, some of you might know him better as Tomo F1. He's going to be keeping Harry's seat warm while he's away. Um, right, back to business. So today we're joined by a racing driver who currently pedals his wares behind the wheel of the Williams Formula One car. And Harry, as such, I thought I'd test you briefly on your Williams F1 knowledge. So here we go. Question one, who was the first driver to win the world championship for Williams? My, I, I want to my, my say it was maybe like KK Rosberg, but I think there was somebody before him. Well before was... you were born. Oh, 
Was it someone like Alan Jones or somebody like that? Or If I had a button with a round of applause, I'd be playing yes. it right now. Uh, 1980, correct. Um, they also took the Constructors' Championship that year, and he was the first Aussie to win the World Championship since uh, Jack Brabham in 1966, mm. the year that we obviously won the World Cup. Number two. The next one better be a Pastor Maldonado-related question. I'm, I'm afraid not. Who is William's most recent world champion? I think that was the, the year I was born. So 97, and that would have been Villeneuve. Well done, Nailed you. it. Well done, Let's move you. On. Yeah, Jack Villeneuve. Yeah, um, it, was the, uh, it was Jack's first and only uh, driver's championship. They won the constructors that year as well for the ninth time. Anyway, well done. Two out of two, very impressed. Not Should bad. we introduce today's guest? Just before we get into that, bear with me for two minutes. I must tell you about our new sponsors of the show, and it's one that means a great deal to us all on a very personal level here at the Motormouth Podcast. In 2021, Dana, the founder of Motus One, passed away suddenly and without warning whilst visiting family in the States. Dana was one of my very best friends. The legacy he left with his family and his business is incredible, and I'm hugely humbled and proud to have his booming business as part of this show. Sponsors are vital for our survival and make sure we continue to bring you interviews with the biggest names in racing. So if you or your company needs event transportation, look no further than the team at Motus One. They have you covered anywhere in the world, from a single chauffeur-driven sedan to a fleet of luxury SUVs, Teslas, or motor coaches. Find your transportation solution with Motus One. They've got offices worldwide, including the Middle East, Europe, and Africa, and will support your transportation needs regardless of location. Motus One is committed to world-class service at the very best rates to ensure your event goes off without a hitch. Contact them at motusone.com. We'll put all their social links in the podcast description. A massive, massive thanks to Dana, his wife, Claudia, his kids, the rest of the Motus One team, Thank you for having faith in our show and joining us for season 12. Right, back to it. On with the show. I think so. Let's get on with it. He'll, so, he'll know more than I do on that Williams knowledge. Well, you are an, I imagine. an, an encyclopedia. He's shaking his head. <laughs> Today, we're joined by Alex Albon. Alex has come up through the junior ranks of racing, narrowly missing out on the 2016 GP3 title, finishing runner-up to Charles Leclerc. He continued his progress through F2 before graduating to Formula One with Toro Rosso, earning a mid-season call-up to the big boys at Red Bull Racing alongside Max Verstappen. We find him now leading the charge at Williams alongside our former podcast guest, Nicholas Latifi. We're here to chat about his life, thoughts, career and opinions, and also fire a couple of listener questions at him. Alex Albon, a very warm welcome to the Motormouth podcast. Thank you very much. Hello. Hello, everyone. Did you know the answers, Alex, to those questions? No, not at all. I mean... Wow. I, wow. I, I, I was... I was impressed by the first one, and then the second one I was a bit more confident in. And I was like, it's Damon Hill. It's Damon Hill. It must be Damon Hill. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then you said, Bill Nevin. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's right. Makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God they don't make you do a test before you sign a contract about Williams history. <laughs> uh, um, uh, look, yeah. before we, we dive into all things about you, I think we do, I'm sure you've been asked about it already, but we are recording this on the Friday of the Hungarian Grand Prix. News just uh, breaking yesterday, of course, that Sebastian Vettel is retiring. Have you got a few words to say on that? Yeah, well, firstly, I think, um, you know, most people must probably see him as, as the driver, which we all do as well. You know, I, I looked up to him. I remember his first race, um, or noticeable race for me was Toro Rosso when he was uh, leading and, and won the race in, in the wet. That was a, a pretty iconic moment um, and stays, stayed with me when I, was a, when I was a kid. But then on top of that, I think what, um, especially for the drivers, you know, he was a true, 
ambassador for for us and he um he has a very good way with words he he pushes safety he pushes topics that you know a lot of drivers don't always want to talk about and he sees the big picture and I think um you know as a racing driver he's obviously um, an inspiration but even outside of that I think he he leads a very good um role model he is a he's a very good role model for for young drivers for for young people in general um to look up to and yeah I'm excited to see what he does in the future I think he's he's obviously become more and more outspoken almost I see him as an activist now and um I'm interested to see what this new chapter um leads into I think uh obviously he's got an Instagram account which is really interesting <laughs> I didn't think he would ever do it no. but um there it is and uh I'm sure he won't be posting too many memes, but I imagine it will be a little bit more towards the... Uh, towards has has the he followed account. your cat account yet? The pet account? Has he? Well, I need to tell him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If, before... he, if, if he isn't, then that's not good enough, is it? <laughs> it's I mean, frankly before not. Before he runs out of the paddock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Please well, I think... Me. Please follow me. Please follow <laughs> yeah. me. Seb, wait. Seb, wait. Hang on. Um... <laughs> Well, I think I mean, you, you say it perfectly out there. I think uh, what he's done off track has really elevated actually what he'd already achieved on track. So he, he yes. leaves uh, the uh, the Formula One circus uh, as one of the most, I think, uh, revered characters now. Um, but let's dive into you and your career, which is what the Motormouth podcast is all about. And usually the first question we ask is, well, where did it all start? What was the first moment? Or was it a moment on track? Was it a person in the family where you just went, right, I want to be a racing driver? Um, yes. So really it all started with the love for cars. That's, that's the very beginning. Um, my first words were Rari and, and smokes, smokes were exhausts. So whenever I saw a car with four exhausts, I would shout smoke smokes. And if I saw a red car, I would shout Rari. <laughs> so, um, it was ingrained into me at a very early age. And, um, and that was it, you know. I mean, I was completely, completely obsessed with anything racing related. I watched everything. I mean, everything. I, I remember even watching the Tweenies when I was a kid, and there was a, there was a, there was an episode where they were driving cars, and I would have that thing on on. What do you even call them now? VHS tapes. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would just replay that thing nonstop, <laughs> and even to the point where. You know, as a kid growing up, I would have tantrums or whatever. And my mom would just put in like 99, 99 championship review. And it would be uh, just every race from from that year. And uh, she'd put on a race that Michael Schumacher would win. And that would calm me down. And that was the, that was like her her way of stopping me from from escalating my tantrums. So, uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was within me from the very beginning. It's funny, isn't it? It just it just completely um, within you uh, for some reason. And ha- having that, what a nice way to to calm your children down to put uh, a, a historic F one <laughs> race. That's the on. thing is, like I think that year was Mika and and Michael right. fighting for the championship. And I even then, like if you know, sometimes I sit in watch watch a race, calm down, and then the next race would be Mika winning a race, and it it would just make me mad. And I just no no no. Run up to the TV, fast forward it, get past that race. Okay, yeah. the next one's a good one. I know that. That's um, so cool. So yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's let's jump forward many years from there um, to 2019. You 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 get to F1, uh, Toro Rosso. How did it feel to get that big break? Do you rem- remember the emotions you were feeling? Yeah. So um, 
the build up to it was was what made it so emotional i'd say because 2018 i was um i was in formula two i was having a good year i was obviously fighting george and lando for the championship and um at the time i was a free agent but no one was interested in me and um i was kind of in this weird position where you know i was waiting for the driver market to move around with a very small glimmer of hope that something would happen but um it was quite clear at the time that nothing was ever going to work out and um so i signed a formula e deal um and that was kind of my that was my my future you know i was heading towards electric racing and the first year of being a professional so i couldn't be mad about it but of course you know you build up your whole life wanting to be an f1 driver but then you have to leave that bit behind so you know that was it i wasn't too um too sad about it but then um then the call came through from uh from dr marco and he said well you know there's a space here um are you interested which of course you are and it all <laughs> happened so late you know i i i was announced in kind of got told just after abu dhabi about this whole <clears throat> thing being a possibility and then that was it you know i was in the first we had our winter testing in barcelona and I was strapped into the car and away I went. Um, it felt like from kind of December of that 2018 period to the first race, it was just a blur. It happened mm. all so quickly. Um, yeah, it's, very special. It, it's, it is very special. And, and we've asked this question to a few different people who have driven Formula One cars. But you know, up until that point, you're driving different types of machinery, F3, F2 and so on. When, when you strap yourself into the F1 car for the first time, put your foot on the throttle as you come out of the pits, what, what's that like? That that. Can you put into words that the, the feeling of power that you have at your disposal? Yeah, so I'd say um, the first thing you do is you, you, you need to get confidence straight away. You know, there's no point messing around and, and getting up to speed. You just need to hit it. So I remember my first day, I, uh, my first lap, I came out the pit lane, um, you know, took the pit limiter off and just went, okay, just floor it. You know, you've got to see what it does, get it, get it over with. And of course, in the beginning, it's like, oh, oh my God, you know, this thing's quick. But the speed, you're like, okay, I can, I can deal with this. Like, it's not, it's nothing, it, it's quicker than an F2 car, but it's not blow you away quick. But then you hit the brake pedal, the whole thing just slams down still. And I think it's, it's still the one thing which it's very hard to, to get people to understand is how quick these cars are in corners. Because you can see straight line speed and everyone asks you, you know, what's your top speed? How quick can you go down the straight? And a Formula 1 car isn't that quick down the straight, relatively speaking, compared to its corner speed. You know, if you look at a road car compared to a Formula 1 car around a corner, it is completely different. And that's the thing which took me by surprise. It was, of course, I knew it was going to be quick, but I didn't realise it would be that quick. And on my first, on my first lap, basically, I was driving around, you know, I went flat into turn one. And then I went through turn two, turn three. Um, at the time, like, it felt quick-ish, but I knew I was obviously building up to it. And then by turn four, my tires were so cold that I spanned straight away. Went straight into the gravel trap. And red flag, obviously, come back to the pit lane. All the TV cameras, you know, waiting for you. Ugh. And at that point, you're like, I'm in F1, aren't I? Yeah. Like, you, just the the exposure you have, towards the fans and to the media um i was like well okay and you know the team told me right okay then don't worry about it we'll get the gravel out um, but next time you go around you got to go faster because obviously the tires are getting cold so you just because you span you need to drive quicker and it's one of them things which uh, at the beginning was like 
okay, so I just had a crash and now I've got to drive faster to not crash. Um, and uh, and that's it really. You know, that's, how, that's how it started. And actually the first day getting into the car, it was just one of them feelings where it was just, it was so amazing, so incredible to drive these cars. They, they were so refined. Um, I give the feeling more towards, it's like you're driving a racing game in real life rather than anything else. You know, the cars just do what you want them to do. They're so intuitive in how they drive. Um, yeah, it was it was impressive. Did, did you have a, a sort of, when you were lining up on the grid for the first time, getting ready, balaclava on, helmet, looking around, sat in the cockpit, did you have a moment where you're just like, Jesus Christ, I'm on, I'm on the F1 grid here. I'm about to do my first race. Or are you like professional in the zone? Uh, a bit of both. You are, <laughs> you're kind of starry-eyed, that is for sure. You know, we, I grew up just like everyone else, mostly like you two, watching Formula One religiously and um, watching the track walks, watching Martin Vandal walk up and down the, the, the grid and, and giving everyone an interview. And there I was being interviewed, doing all that kind of thing. It was in Australia. Obviously, I got no sleep that night just because I was so nervous about the whole thing. Um, the only thing I say is once you get your helmet on, it's almost like this barrier that you cross where, at least for me, personally speaking, it's like you get all the nerves, all the jitters. I think your heart rate's at 190, right? And once that helmet goes in, on, it's everything goes quiet. Everything goes still. You're in full control. You feel like, You've done this a million times and you're ready to do the business. And once that green light goes, that's it. You know, you're you're off, you're away, you're fighting, and, and you're you're going back to what you do every every day of your life, pretty much. So it's strange, but the the heart the the most daunting thing for me in F1 was not the driving. Driving is actually the easiest thing. It's everything around that that, that kind of um, you know, it was like like Hollywood level, Vegas mm. level, where you're just kind of going around and it's all just times by a hundred so uh so yeah it was a it is it is it was a very cool feeling and i and i still remember that that grid walk the the grid the pit lane or the start procedure everything i remember it like it was yesterday just because it was so clear such a vivid memory uh, it's 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 so cool and it, and it's brilliantly articulated there now you went on to be teammates with a certain max verstappen um some would say luckily some would say unluckily how how, how highly do you rate him as a driver now not as he was but as he is now um i'd say he's very much the most gifted driver i've ever raced against um and i think you know it's hard to say, you know, when you compare the greats, to, uh, it, it's a it's a tricky one. But um, yeah, you know, his driving does the talking. There's no politics in, in how he talks or how he speaks. He's very straight to the point. Um, he's very relaxed, and I would say, most probably, um, I've always been interested in the fact that he's mostly never you know, Netflix or whatever. He's never really touched and. People don't really see the side to him. People don't really know the side to him. Um, but yeah, you know, I've, I've been with him and he's, he's, he can be so relaxed that it's almost like, I wish I could be like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, the guy's opening like FIFA packs before qualifying and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> you're in a different level. But, um, but no, he is very impressive. And even, I think more than that is, is the way he drives the car. You know, the, He's very precise, but 
<clears throat> what he wants in a car is very different to most drivers. He wants um, he wants a car that is so sharp into a corner. It's 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 unbelievable, and um, he really likes to play with the car. Um, but when you look at the steering, it looks super smooth, but it's not. I can try, I can I can tell you that the car is extremely sharp, and um, yeah, it's a secret to his speed. I think um, you know, I I raced against drivers. I race. I've been teammates. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. With Charles, great. Um driven in the same cars as um, a lot of good drivers. I've always been known for someone who loves front-end grip, loves to be able to put the car where he wants it. And then this guy comes in and he, make, he makes me look like, like, I'm, like I want a car like a bus. You know, like, um, <laughs> I, I, I was like, wow, okay, this thing's very different. Um, but he is very good. It's fascinating actually hearing that sort of first-hand experience, but you don't actually hear too much. It's always people outside of the team or outside of the car looking in. So you never yeah. quite get the, the full picture of Max. Uh, and yeah. as you say, with, with the with the lack of Netflix exposure, perhaps, you don't feel like you quite know who he is, but that's the way he chooses to, to, to live and be. And, and you have to respect that. And clearly, he's, he's pretty fast. Very Obviously, fast. tough time at Red Bull. Some really high moments, some not-so-great moments. It ended up um, with you leaving and going to DTM for a year. But then you came back with Williams uh, for the start of this year to replace George Russell. That must have been obviously an awesome feeling. We talked about how your initial uh, getting into Formula 1 with Toro Rosso was so last minute and unexpected. How did this yeah. conversation go? Were you expecting it? Was were you was there a glint in your eye, hopeful? A very quick interruption to remind you to check out our sponsors, Motus One, the event transportation company. Motus One is the industry leader in complex transport management from hospitality, talent, production crews, VIPs, and artist transport. Motus One's team have got you covered. They've also launched their leading edge cloud-based event transportation management system called Motus Ride. Now you can manage your entire event transport program digitally. Make bookings, allocate rides, create approval processes, see reports, track costs, loads more. Head over to motusone.com and hear how they can support your event transportation needs. Back to the show. Yeah, well, I think first of all, you know, my first year was actually a, a really good year. And I I got into the main team in six months because because of how good the year went. And I think in some respects, most probably people forget how strong of a year uh, year one was. And Obviously, I had a tough time in, in year two. Um, just started to lose the feeling with the car. started to get a bit tricky on me. And all that front that I talked about before became 
incredibly strange and difficult to drive um, in year two. And, um, and during that year away, you know, I had a lot of time to think about it, to process what I needed to do better. Um, and at the same time, work really hard with the team and improve the car that I drove, which in the end, maybe I paid, I paid a 1% pass in it, but you know, we, we got the car into a better place for 21 and obviously Max won the championship. So, um, I'd like to think a part of that was, was why, you know, Jos considered me and, and looking at, um, the development of the car, I got very involved in it, um, back at Red Bull. And as you see with Williams, you know, we're, we're, we're an up and coming team and we, we are improving and it, we do need support. We need, um, ideas and, um, we do, obviously we want to raise our game and, and, and be fighting in the midfield. So, um, I felt like I could definitely bring that to the team um, and work with the team and, and you know, be long-term in, in that side and, and think about, you know, how can we do this? And fortunately for me, driving a different car gives me a very different angle to someone who's just most probably driven the same car their whole life. Um, and so I could see straight away the limitations of the car and, and understand, you know, where we need to improve. And um, I think, um, yeah, it was a great fit, really. Yeah, uh, obviously for me there was a lot of drivers in contention for that seat. Um, I had to make sure that I was the uh, the number one favourite. <laughs> and and we're very happy that you're there. Now Williams is obviously a very historic team, um, a hugely popular team that everybody wants to see doing well. Um, there hasn't been a success over the last few years. However, it's under new management, new ownership. There's um, this period of transition. Yes, there's been challenges, but there's also been glimpses of improvement. Um, you've picked up some points, which is fantastic. Getting up to speed with the new regs, it's not easy. But how how's the vibe inside the team? What's what's the sort of feeling within the group about the future? Yeah, so obviously, firstly, I mean, you guys must really see it. Um, you know, we have um, very good investment coming in. You know, the in terms of um, the the blueprint for going forwards, it's it's very positive. We got the money. We got the. We are making changes behind the scenes, and um, things are going. In the right direction it takes time I think people forget that it's actually i didn't realize it until now is you know big changes like that um for things to happen especially in f1 it takes a long time with gardening leaves going for ages you know and and even just um getting the right people in place it, it can take um years um but we're in the right what's the word we're, in, we're going the right direction basically and um and things are looking positive i think as a team as well you know we're hungry we we don't want to be where we are we started the season obviously everyone has that hope that you know they come up with a good idea and with the regulations so open and so new um you hope to have the the right idea we most probably missed the mark a little bit on on that side so we we had a bit of a um a bit of catching up to do but as you can see you know we've we brought in a whole new car midway through the season um we are playing still catch up we're still learning about the new package but um it feels like right now we have a really good platform we, we've got the right philosophy through i think you know we took a lot of course inspiration from other cars as well um and it's an exciting time to be in formula one because at the end of the day the regulations are so new so fresh no one really knows what you know the right way to go is everyone has an idea and of course it looks like ferrari and red bull right now are the ones that uh, are the most um, clued up in what's going on. But because it's so new, it's so open, 
there's so many there's so much opportunity for ideas and catch up to be had a lot of the time when you spend four or five years with the same regulation teams get put into a tunnel where they've refined their package so much that they can't really do much if they have a limitation in the car they would have to change a lot of things to be able to do that whereas now because it is so open so new you know we we've pretty much changed complete philosophy in six months and you can get away with that and that's that's exciting you know and that's where the drivers as well we've become a big part of that our feedback is so important because there's so much going on that you know the team need to hear our opinion and, and know what direction they need to go to especially with the budget caps just to be so selective with what you do and, and williams have taken a step forward this year i think it's fair to say you know a couple of points finishes for yourself qualifying uh going well in and around the top 12 sometimes too nikki was yes. getting into into q3 in in silverstone yes mixed conditions but you're there you're in the mix and you're fighting a lot more than what we've seen in the, in the last couple of years so we're at sort of the, the halfway point before half term aren't we yeah. how how are you hopeful of, of what can come in the second half of the season are you hopeful there's going to be some big gains or is it again like you say just going to be incremental slowly pushing forward for each race you summed up well so at the minute right now the way i see it you know we have to do everything perfectly to get into q2 to to get into points we have to think outside the box we have to think of different strategies um you know take risks with whatever it may be with fuel with with tires whatever you know and um right now it's like everything just has to go perfect for us to to sneak in um a couple of tenths is all it takes to get into that midfield pack. You know, I think the worst position we finish outside of DNFs is 13th. It's not like we've had bad races at all. Um, but that's the difference. You know, the midfield is so close. If we can just get them two, three tenths, it puts us in that in that zone where suddenly we're fighting with the group. And as <clears> you <throat> see, it's actually a very exciting <clears throat> midfield battle, I think. You know, everyone's yeah. chopping and changing. No one really understands why it's so up and down, but that's that's perfect. You know, that's it's because that everything is so new that people aren't really understanding you know, why why the cars are good in certain circuits. Um, so it's not going to happen overnight. We are going to need, um, you know, it's going to take bit by bit for us to to get there. And yeah, you know, that's that's our goal as well. We 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 know that um, we've got a bit of catching up to do. Um, and the other thing I'd say is everyone's doing updates. Everyone's improving. So you have to improve faster than they do, which is tricky. You know, everyone's got hundreds and hundreds of people working at their factories. It's a it's a huge team effort. Um, so you need to basically out out develop your car to them, and that's the uh, that's the art of it. These cars, from the start of the year to the end of the year, they must be so they are so much quicker that you guys don't really see because everyone's just doing the same kind of yeah. improvements. Yeah. Now. Um... We're rapidly running out of time, so we're going to um, fire some questions at you. Um, we usually ask a, a final three um, that we ask all our guests, but in this instance, um, we're going to change tack slightly, and we're going to have our listener questions powered by Motus One and Grid Rival, our two sponsors. Um, there we, were we, a lot. We, we, there was a huge <laughs> response uh, on Twitter for questions, and, and we've got millions, so we're going to have to pluck out one or two. <laughs> so um, I'm going to start off, Harry. I'm going to go with, um, this is from Fiona Ramblings um, on Twitter. Alex, if you, if you great name, if you could pick any former Williams driver to be your teammate, who would it be? Oh, okay. Um, judging by my history, as listening to the beginning, it's maybe a little bit more selected because I don't know as many Williams drivers as I should do. <laughs> but um, hmm, 
I'd say just I'm not sure if this is a good idea or a bad idea, but I'd love to have Montoya as a teammate. Um, fiery, yeah, fiery. I just want to see what happens. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> Watch the fire. As, as, as long as it's not directed at me, yeah. uh, like bring it on. Yeah. You know, you're just there with the popcorn, ready yeah, to yeah, enjoy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I just sit down and have a good time. As long as it's, oh god, I remember like, have you ever seen that video where where he's got the cameraman, the, the cameraman hits him in the face, <laughs> yes. and, he's, <laughs> and his wife, I think at the time, I don't know, would you like stay cool? Anyway, anyway. Good times. Yeah. Good times. Good time. Well, good luck with that pairing. Um, uh, an interesting one that came in from Finley ML151, uh, which I, I found interesting anyway. Obviously, we, we touched on it very briefly. You spent a year in DTM. Was there anything yes. that you learned in that year in DTM, driving and racing in that category that you've brought over into Formula One? Yeah, it's a good question. I think more than anything, um, the way I see it is it's hard really to say, well, I definitely improved this or this. What driving other cars gives you is almost like a it's like reading books or 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 whatever it may be. It extends your almost your ro- racing vocabulary, like in in a way that the more things you drive, the more experience you have, understanding how to get speed out of a car. Driving quickly, the purely in a very simple term, is because you understand how to go around a corner quicker than someone else. That's that's literally it. And if you can drive different things, rally cars, GT3 cars, whatever it may be, go-karts, and you understand how to finesse that art and be quick in that car, then, you know, you've understood something. And, you know, it's all, it's all, it all counts towards whatever you're driving. So even in a Formula One car, you know, I know a lot of drivers, they'll go out, do ice rallies and stuff like this, because you're learning about different angles, slip angles, whatever, and yeah, it, it, it helps. So I think that's the main thing. You know, I drove a car that, I mean, GT3 cars, they're beasts. Like, they're, they're heavy. They have ABS. They have traction control. I didn't get along that well with it because I felt like I was driving to the limit of electronics rather than to the limit of the grip. It was almost like I had to understand what the, yeah, what, what, what the electronics were trying to do rather than what the tires were trying to do. And um, it was tricky, but it made me really have to have an open mind, something very different to Formula One in, in the way that it you get that time. And um, I think it just helps that side to it. So if I have a, well, when I have a kid, I think the first thing I would be doing if they wanted to be a racing driver would be to get them driving all kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, really try and get them into as much things you've seen. Yeah, yeah. as I said before, um, carts, rally, whatever, maybe... Maybe not two-wheel stuff, because that's oh, kind of dangerous. Oh, so dangerous. There. So dangerous. But, yeah. um, now, we we have, um, we had, as Harry mentioned, loads and loads of questions. I'm just going to shout out a couple of people that, that did send in questions that we haven't had time to ask. Jonty's Corner, Imi Cousins, Finley ML151, uh, JP1 Design, Max2223, Cat, and so on. Thank you all so much for sending in your questions. Apologies we don't have time to get through them all. Um, our final question for you, Alex, um, and one that we do ask all of our guests, and you can be as deep or as light as you like, what <laughs> are you scared of? Heights. Oh. And rats. Right away. Rats. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, I, I, heights is quite a simple one. And I'm not scared of um, being in a machine. So, so planes, roller okay. coasters, they're not scary to me. Um, myself, though, if I'm walking on a cliff edge, 
I don't trust my body. I don't trust a gust would, of wind. Would you do a bungee jump? No. No, no it's no, horrible. No, 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 no. Um, or skydiving, I think, would be a step too far. But I would like to do it just to get me through. You heard of Will Smith, how he like mm. talks yeah. about it and gets to his comfort zone. Um, so heights, no go. And rats, um, I don't know why I've, why, why I've got this phobia about rats. Uh, it's weird, but um, I used to... I used to live in Milton Keynes and there used to be a, a, a lake nearby and I used to run around the lake and especially in wintertime, used to run around the lake and these rats would just run past you and oh, man, <laughs> it would freak me out. My, my heart rate, I would be going for a low, a low, a low conditioned run and then my heart rate would spike. spike. <laughs> it ended up being interval training by the end of it. Oh, I hated it. But yeah. No one, no one has got a good thing to say about Milton Keynes. It seems over over the last few years, there's good always something. I, I would say, I would say it teach. Yeah, exactly. Any chicane. Yeah, I feel like I'm pretty good at now. Yeah, of all the yes. experience I've had. I mean, I, when I learned how to drive, uh, get my driving license, I, I had a mini, and um, I would race everyone in my mini. Um, my alloys were completely destroyed mm-hmm. as I was clipping all the curbs and the roundabouts. Um, but it was good fun, you know. You'd race against all these Porsches and Audis and stuff. I've, I had two people lose their brakes and crash on roundabouts. Um, I don't know if I should be saying that. We don't it. condone this, children. <laughs> we, we don't condone that. When we the, thing is, the thing what people realize <laughs> is it's legal because it's 70 miles an hour between each roundabout in Milton Keynes. That's the joke, isn't yeah. it? That, so, and you can't actually get to 70 in most cases. Like, if you go flat from, especially in a mini, you can't really reach 70 in between the two roundabouts. No. So you're you're legal, right? Yeah. Um, Milton yeah, Keynes is basically a, a big racetrack. Yeah. Is what you're saying. Yeah. I was yeah. with George one time. He had a polo, um, in a, and he uh, he was trying to show off basically. In, and I was his of course passenger. he was. Was his top and, off uh, as well? <laughs> I must, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it was just me in the car, his top was off. Then it'd be, yeah. I don't know what he's, what he's trying to do, but um, he uh, he uh, he went in, and the roundabout tightened up. Each roundabout slightly different in Milton Keynes. That's the trick to be mm. quick. You just got to understand Good how the, the space you have on the exit. And this one was a tight one. And he didn't realize that. And he would go up on the grass go, and we're heading towards the guardrails. And uh, he manages it. He gets it back onto the, back onto the, onto the road. Fair <laughs> play, um, George. Good call. Fair play, George. It was, it was a good effort. Yeah, yeah play George, and that's what got on the Mercedes drive. Um, <laughs> Toto was behind us in the rental. Exactly. <laughs> Look, Alex, um, we could talk to you all day, especially about Milton Keynes, but we'll have to stop it there. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with Thanks, us. Thank guys. you to Williams for, for letting us sort this out on the, the weekend of the Hungarian Grand Prix. Best of luck for this weekend and the rest of the season, and we hope we get to chat soon. But Alex Albon, thank you so much for coming on to the Motormouth podcast. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the podcast. Before you leave us, one final reminder to check out the guys and girls at Motors One, your new transportation solution for minor, mega, and signature events anywhere in the world. Motors One simplifies the complex process of event transportation and provides clients with unrivaled service and support to ensure your event transportation needs are fulfilled. Check them out today at motorswan.com. And if you tell them you found them through the Motormouth podcast, you'll get up to 20% off your first booking. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official, and Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans, and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too, so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker don't forget to like subscribe and review and until next time you've been listening to the motormouth podcast Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 